You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, and this is it. This is now a wrap on the 2019 Cleveland Browns preseason schedule. All eyes now towards Labor Day weekend, cuts, uh, claims, all that stuff as we roll on to this, uh, I'm sorry, September 8th for the Tennessee Titans. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories as we take you on through here this episode. Uh, first things first, um, Pete, congratulations on everything. Um, if you guys didn't catch Pete's post today, uh, go to Sports Illustrated. Um, as far as NFL teams, click on Cleveland Browns. And a familiar name there will be uh, as far as you know Browns coverage. Bud, proud of you. Happy for you. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, look, this was announced, you know, I feel it's like two months ago, uh, but this is the first sort of, uh, you know, first actual thing that's happened. Uh, you know, it, they, uh, this is where this is, this thing's going, um, that Maven or, you know, it, 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 the name may change by re- result of this agreement that's still being worked out with the whole SI thing, but it, rather than a, you know, a dedicated, you know, page or whatever, you know, the Maven uh, folks, which is me and any other number of guys are going to, you know, that's where the Sports Illustrated goes to. Um, and, and, you know, Sports Illustrated uh, tweeted out a story, or, or somebody's projection of the Dallas Cowboys for Maven. So that was obviously a big deal because that's, you know, a, a one point, almost 1.8 million uh, follower account. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's, you know, hopefully a, a preview of things. Uh, and uh, for those who have uh, put up with me, put up with us, uh, I appreciate it. For those who are just coming on, uh, you're more than welcome aboard. Uh, but, yeah, this should be fun, should be able to give us some more ability to, to, to do things that uh, we've been wanting to do, just haven't had the ability to do quite yet. Uh, not bad for a couple of hacks, so. Yeah. Hey, hey, we'll take any little thing, any little bone thrown our way. Um, it's funny, Pete, because I remember actually we were doing this one year ago, and uh, I even remember you weren't feeling well. I wasn't feeling well. The two of us had colds at the time, and you were like, oh, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, all right, let's just shove some tissues up the nose. We'll get through it. And, you know, Baker, obviously week four of the preseason last year with Freddie Kitchens calling a place had a phenomenal effort and we kind of talked about this and it was like, all right, well, we'll see Baker when we see him, you know, we kind of felt it was going to be later than that. But I mean, just to see where this has gone in one year um, is obviously it's the opportunities that Pete now has and it's where the show is at. And obviously a lot of this is because of all of you, I mean, you guys are here, you're listening to us. Hey, and as Pete always says, you put up with us, whether you agree or not, you know, certainly as far as things as second quarterback or even third quarterback, um, things of that nature. Um, but before we even get to the game, the news of the day, um, Browns, look, I mean, there was no way, look, they're, all their draft picks this, this year, you know, are going to have a hard time making this roster. It was only going to be more difficult next year. Um, you shift a couple, you pick up a future pick. Uh, Wyatt Teller, I, I mean, I'm not sure how this is all going to work out, but this is better for the depth of this offensive line. But Pete, you know, Wyatt Teller, he was a he was a favorite. He got drafted a lot later than a lot of people in the draft community thought. Definitely got the JYD, the junkyard dog mentality to him. So we'll see how it plays out. But I'm okay with this acquisition. You know, granted, it's probably not going to pay immediate dividends. But Wyatt Teller, he's a guy you want on your side. 
Yes. Um, I, he, you know, if, if you go back to, I had to, I had to look it up myself and, and quote tweeted my own writing wrong. Uh, he was my fourth guard for the 2018 class. If you watch him on tape, he's well, he's first, he's a career left guard. Uh, if you watch my tape, he's a really good pass protector. Uh, he's sort of a, a play through the echo of the whistle type run blocker. He, he just, he does all those things that, you know, you hate, you love having on your team, but you hate playing against. Uh, and, you know, when you watch him on tape, there's nothing that like stands out all that much in terms of his athletics uh, traits, but he did test well other than his raw speed and his his agility in particular, uh, his strength are things that uh, appeal to James Campen and the type of lineman he gets. So, you know, if you compare this, um, you know, again, Whiteseller was my fourth rated guard. And then people ask, well, where'd you have Austin Corbett? He's my sixth rated center. Um, so in that sense, this has the real opportunity to sort of replace you know, what is, what is clearly to this point, a, a massive miss in, in, in Austin Corbett. Now, and, and when you're looking at this and you're going, well, that's look at the price tag. That's a, that's a, to me, that's a great get. Um, that's a really nice, you know, athletic. Uh, he's, I think he's 24. He may be heading, uh, working on 25 at this point. He's a second year guy who has seven years of, or seven games worth of starting experience last year. Again, he played pretty well uh, and, again, excelled in pass protection, which is I, I don't think is random at all. I, I think that's a huge part of this is, is getting guys who can really be effective pass protectors uh, for Baker Mayfield. Uh, but, but, again, if you're looking at this, and you're going, well, there, there goes a right guard. Well, he hasn't played right guard. I think he's got something like 35 snaps, I thought uh, Nathan Segura said on the pregame uh, uh, show or whatever. Uh, he has Virginia Tech. He was a defensive lineman turned offensive guard. He was a left guard for two years there. He was a left guard for Buffalo last year. So even if he was a right guard and, he, you know, that's, that was his job, he wasn't going to come in here and walk into the starting job. He still would have had to – you know, get used to the terminology, get used to, to James Campen, get used to the rest of the line, get all those things. And, and, I, and I wouldn't say he's not going to compete for right guard, but it, it will take time for him to be sort of up and ready. So I, I love the move in terms of what it means for the future. Certainly gives you more depth right now, but he's way more backup left guard to Joe Batonio right, uh, than he is anywhere near starting right guard. So it is still Eric Cush's job. And, you know, up until, you know, about 15 minutes into the game, um, Drew Forbes is coming along and, and he left with a knee injury. I, you know, I don't know what the severity is, but it would not surprise me at all if they just stick him on injured reserve. Uh, but uh, hopefully that's not super serious. Uh, but that's one of those things you just never know with, with guys rolling up on, on somebody's legs. Uh, that would obviously be a, a huge loss for a kid who's, uh, come a long way in a very short period of time, and they love him for what he is and what he can be. But that would obviously be a major setback if he has to have, um, you know, like surgery or something along those lines, as opposed to just being able to sort of recover from something if it's like a torn MCL or whatever. But uh, we'll we'll find out when we get there. But uh, that would be a big loss. But that only emphasizes the importance of being able to get a guy like Wyatt Teller uh, should end the 
uh, Witzman era. Uh, yes. <laughs> he was much doomed anyway. And then, you know, especially if Forbes is out, but I, but I, I don't think they were going to get rid of him anyway. Um, Austin Corbett would, would have been that much closer to being a guy who was released and potentially, if not grabbed by somebody else, tried to put on the practice squad, which is telling you everything you need to know about where he's at right now. Uh, but the only thing with that is uh, there are too many examples of talented 300-pounders uh, with athletic traits, and, and Corbett – does have athletic traits. He's not, you know, top of the lines like some of these guys, but he does have athletic traits that they have found their way to figure, figuring things out. Obviously the Browns are benefiting from one of those guys in Greg Robinson, um, who is not a great player by any stretch, uh, but he is a functional left tackle. And I think he could have a very good season. Uh, so you, you, you hate to give up on, on talented 300 pounders, um, even if they've looked as bad as Corbett has to this point, given the investment involved, because there just aren't enough. And if you want a good example or, or, or an argument to keep uh, Austin Corbett, I would look no further than the Detroit Lions freaking backup def- offensive line, which was horrendously awful. Well, Devereaux Lawrence looked like a first-team all-pro against that. But we'll get to the game stuff here in a second, guys. Um, it's a new year. Antonio Brown. <clears throat> is with the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is a Jet. Odell Beckham, you all know where he's residing now. Andrew Luck, not residing anywhere. <clears throat> the one thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money on the games on Sunday, Monday, Thursday night. My bookie is the place to put your bets on for football this weekend, every weekend this season. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sportsbook, period. This year, they are hosting their first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to be considered for the cash prize pool. I would only recommend... Site that's been good to me. And guys, look, we always talk about this. My bookie, it's one of the premier sites. They've been with us for years. Um, you play, uh, you, you bet, you win, you get paid. They have in-game live betting. They have the most war- uh, rewarding player perks in the business for your fantasy folks. They have, uh, you can bet on the over-under fantasy-wise. Um, obviously, just another way to double dip. You fantasy players are so confident in what you do. Just another way to go ahead and make some more money with that. Um, they will match your initial deposit for right now up to $1,000. They will match it 100%. Any amount of money you put down, put down a grand, you got two grand. If you know what you're doing, that should cover you more than, you know, easily throughout the entire season. Use the promo code locked on all caps with space locked space on all cap to, uh, you know, use the offer. Obviously <coughs> visit my bookie, dot com mybookie.com. Again, they will match you 100% on your initial investment and use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, with the space. Pete, getting to the game, um, and a lot of people, I took some stuff today about Darrenis Johnson, um, and he was, um, I, I forget who it was, I think it was Nick Shook wrote it for the Browns himself, about him being a possible you know, roster bubble guy. I didn't see it at this point. I think he's probably running back too. I think Hilliard's going to slide into that, you know, Duke Johnson role. 
Darius Johnson didn't take a carry today. Um, caught a couple of punts, which was weird. Um, but Hilliard, for the most part, I think we, we, we've got, at least for the time being, we've got our three running backs. Obviously, we know Nick. Um, you know, Hilliard had a really nice day today to Ernest Johnson. This is going to be the three going forward for now. Uh, so, I, I look – honestly, I look at this as Nick Chubb is running back one, and then you basically have the, the two guys on a line together. I, fetch, I, me a cup of, fetch me a cup of coffee while Nick goes and catches some Gatorade. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, that's part of it. I mean, you know, I was listening to uh, Evan Silva talk to Doug Maurice on, on Takes by the Lake, and you know, he's talking about the fact that, that, uh, that uh, Duke Johnson still had 40 – was on the field for 42% of plays last year. Um, and, and certainly Nick Chubb may get a substantial amount of those. Uh, but uh, certainly the, you're going to have to find ways to use these guys. But I, I do think they're basically even right now. I thought Dontrell Hilliard had a great game in this one, um, running the ball. But he's really, really natural as a pass catcher and running routes and those things like that. Um, I have not seen really either of them block uh, to, to this point that, that would say, you know, that, that's a, a valuable skill set for them. Um, which is really the thing that, you know, you really lose with Duke Johnson not in there. Um, that was, you know, that he was on 40, 42% of uh, plays last year, but we always complained he didn't get the ball enough. Well, a lot of that was because he was, he was pass protecting. Um, and, and obviously that's going to be a big part of what Nick Chubb has to adapt to this year is being a good pass protector. But, um, you know, if those guys can't, then – you know, then they are effectively fifth receivers every time they're out there, which is not the end of the world, especially with a guy like Mayfield who can get the ball out quickly. But certainly I, I, I know Freddie Kitchens is expert. He's, he's more confident than I am, which is good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think they're basically even. I, th- I think it's, you know, it, it, Nick Chubb is obviously the dude. And then it's honestly, whichever one is the hot hand for the backup. And hopefully they never have to be the hand is the way that's going to go. Um, Pete, I actually, you know, pat on the back. I did call this one last night. Um, Gal, uh, Garrett Gilbert got the first half. Uh, Blau, uh, David Blau, obviously, the second half. Look, I, I don't care what the scenario is. I do not want three quarterbacks on this 53-man roster. We've established as well over time now. and I mean, we can say it any which way you want. If it's not Baker Mayfield, it doesn't freaking matter. Look, Gilbert showed enough this summer where I don't care if it's a sixth or a future sixth or a future seventh. If Drew Stanton is going to be the number two, and that's just the way it's going to be. And look, I, I don't look. If you want to tell me you're going to move on from Drew Stanton somehow, some way, save the money as Garrett Gilbert, I'm fine with that. Put Blau on the practice squad. But Pete, there is no reason, regardless of what these guys did. It's all about six. There's no reason to put three on the 53. Good teams don't do things like this. You worry about more premium positions because you have your dude at quarterback. I mean, that's, that's been my belief the entire way on this. Uh, you know, it comes down to what is more valuable to you. Um, in this case, Garrett Gilbert uh, or, or just Stan, whoever, however you want to put it. Whichever one of those guys, are they worth more than another defensive back, another running back, another offensive lineman, another defensive lineman? Um, I would say no. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, it certainly seems like the Browns are content to keep three. Um, and they're going to sort of move on with it, which is, you know, what, what that's, that's certainly their prerogative. It's just um, bad business. 
I, I think Garrett Gilbert um, made some really nice throws in this game, but ultimately I thought it was a little bit of a step backward for him. Um, I, I don't think he was as good as he was in previous outings. Um, and it may, I, it, but it probably wasn't. It, it wasn't as. It, it wasn't a service to him not playing against Tampa either. Well, I mean, that's whatever. But I, I mean, just going off what what I've you know the reps we've seen, which is you know what we have. Um, I, 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 I like the talent that you see from Garrett Gilbert, but to me, you know, I, I understand he's a guy you have to roster at this point if you want to keep him. But to me, I, I see a guy who should be on a practice squad still. Um, I just don't see a guy that's going to come in and, and really sort of steady the ship um, for a couple of games. Now, you know, look, if, when they have more talent on the field, that may, may be a big difference. Uh, but so much of this is uh, that you have uh, – that, you, that you, you have this ability to add more players and, and that type of stuff. But – you know, Baker Mayfield is good, so good in part because he gets rid of the ball quickly. Garrett Gilbert is very hit or miss on that. Um, and I think if you actually had to put him in out there for Sunday reps, you know, he may, be, may have some opportunities where he gets the ball out really nicely and you'll love what you see. I also have a feeling that if he's out there, he's also going to get drilled because he's holding on the ball longer than he should based on the protection they have. So, I, you know, I, I don't – see wins coming out of Garrett Gilbert on Sundays. I, I still see this as you go as far as Baker Mayfield takes you. Um, you know, I, I, I guess Garrett Gilbert is better than Drew Stanton. I don't know what that really means because I don't think either one really wins for you. So to me, I'd rather keep another position player, but I am fully expecting another quarterback. Well, and for me though, it's like, it's like, I think everybody's trying to just say because you have Odell and Jarvis, you have all these skill people that like it's a Ferrari. Like everybody knows how to drive it. No, not everybody knows how to drive this talent and not every, you know, these guys aren't even, they can't smell what Baker can do under center. So it doesn't matter. It, I mean, look, if you want to keep seven, that's fine. It's not going to matter. None of them are going to give you what Baker Mayfield gives you. So from that standpoint, whatever, I mean, roster one of them, and just go single wing for Christ's sakes. It's not going to matter if it's anybody else than Baker Mayfield taking snaps. Ish Hyman. Um, Pete, I don't think I've ever seen a guy get a Jerry Rice workload in a week four preseason game like Ish Hyman got this week. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating because, like, you know, he did drop – he dropped, obviously, two balls in a row. Um, there was another ball where he got sort of obstructed by a corner on, on, a, on a ball that was really well-placed. Uh, over the top, I think that was a Garrett Gilbert pass that he yeah, it was early. that he couldn't locate um, and hit the ground. But at the same time, they just kept throwing him the ball, so he's doing something to get open and find passes. He's at least interesting, um, you know. Whether he's good enough, um, whether he's good enough to you know really warrant a roster spot, um, unclear. He has to be able to contribute on special teams if that's the case. Uh, it would not surprise me in the least if they, that he's the guy they would really like to get uh, to the practice squad. But again, look, I mean, if you're talking about that, that spot on the roster, um, you know, it, he, it's either contribute on special teams or be inactive. Um, so I'm not terribly worried about 
you know, him dropping the ball if he's wide receiver six for what basically accounts for a month. He's still only 24 years old, so he has more upside than than Braxton Miller, who a lot of people th- think is going to make the team, uh, which is, you know, whatever. But uh, Ishmael Hyman seems to have more of a, you know, legit receiver skill set, uh, whereas Braxton Miller is sort of a toy, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, certainly there, there's room on a roster for that type of player, but he just seems to be the designated screen and hitch, you know, creative uh, hitch guy as opposed to, like, you know, running real routes, which you saw from Ish Hyman. And, and the drops obviously hurt. But one of the things I, I have never bought into, or um, at least in recent years, I suppose, is the idea that, you know, guys are cutting themselves during games. Unless it's like, you know – personal fouls or just unbelievable, you know, mental mistakes or whatever. I think you kind of already knew where you were going with this. I really don't think after all those practices, all those other preseason games, all those meetings and everything else that you really coming down to the idea that, well, the fourth preseason game, you know, this guy did this and this guy did this. So that settles it. You know, there are things you want to see from guys in games, whether they saw that from Ish Hyman or not remains to be seen. But, I, you know, I think for the most part, they had already decided beforehand. I know people think that way. I'm sure there's people who, you know, deliberately want to play it up that way to try to, you know, drive some ratings for for, for these type of games. But you know, I, I really don't think that's terribly likely. Like if Garrett Gilbert came out here and threw four picks, were they was that going to just change the whole dynamic and, and the roster decision? I doubt it. I think – most of those decisions outside, you know, it's possible there's, there's a legitimate tie somewhere. And then this type of game is sort of like the final thing. But I, even then, it still seems so unlikely and rare that you're really going to have that situation. I mean, if anything that you took away today, and if you're looking at from the, you know, the Browns coaching staff in the front office is Dontrell Hilliard actually ran the ball and ran it well because you had no evidence of that. And obviously the Washington game had the fumble by the goal line. But it maybe eased your concerns there. Look, Dontrell Hilliard was safe. But, you know, going along with what you were saying there, there's, you know, that idea and that premise to it all. Um, obviously you guys got the offensive side of the ball. We got into the news. You know, obviously the Wyatt Teller um, and everything with that. Uh, we'll get to the defensive side here in a bit. Best way to help Pete and I, iTunes, rating reviews, Locked on Browns. Subscribe. Drop a five-star review. Uh, I'm sorry, drop a five-star rating, drop a written review, all that stuff. Uh, Browns Maven, which can now be seen on SI.com, at Browns Maven on Twitter, brownsmaven.com. Subscribe, become one of them, uh, get involved in the forums. You'll be able to talk with a lot of Browns fans, but everything that's going on there. Look, guys, uh, it's been a hell of a ride here, and it's obviously, you know, to cover what we get to cover now as opposed to what we were covering, my God, it's just a light year's different, and it just, you know, puts more – fuel to the fire to want to put out content and and feel good about it as opposed to trying to convince everybody, you know, what it was. I mean, what do we always say? You know, good things are good, bad things are bad. But I mean, now it's, you know, we're not trying to put a shine on a turd. There's really some good things to talk about and we're enjoying every God darn second of it. Uh, Pete, first thing first, uh, defensively, Deverell Lawrence, um, Look, it, it, it's obviously it's a year now coming, but uh, for a guy we knew nothing about who literally came from LSU, and I remember talking about this because it was right around this time last year when they acquired him, 
who the heck is this guy? How did he go to LSU? We have no idea who in the world he is. Um, look, he's not challenging for a starting spot anytime soon, but you want to talk about a big dude that gets off the ball quickly. He's a nice little surprise. Yeah, I mean, he had – he played two plays last year. He had two sacks last week, um, and he had at least one sack. This week would have had uh, another one. Well, didn't he have two? He had two against the Redskins, didn't he? I know he had at least one. I think he had one. Um, yeah, so you're talking about four pre, four sacks in, in maybe what's the equivalent of a full game's worth of reps. Uh, would have had would have had another one in this one, but was held, and that led to Chad Thomas's first ever tackle slash sack um, in his career. There you go, Hiram. Enjoy it. Live it up, kid. He made it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, he like in, in particular in this game, they could not get they could not deal with this the pinch of you know back to back plays. He and Equale just knifed right through. But, yeah, he's explosive. He flew off the ball and just disruptive. Uh, that first step was deadly, and he is a big guy. And I do think he's a guy who could, could give you reps at the three and at nose, which may be what keeps Trevon Coley on this team. Um, I, I don't know about that situation. The thing, I, the thing I, I'm, I'm sort of hung up on is – you know, are they going to keep five defensive tackles? Because that seems like it would make most sense uh, to me uh, with, the, with obviously, uh, Richardson and Ogunjobi and then uh, Lawrence, Coley, and then probably Aquale. Uh, but if you don't, I mean, are you going to get rid of Teron Coley in that situation or whatever? So that's where I'm hung up. But, but again, uh, Deverell Lawrence was at Auburn, was great. I think he had a major injury, and I think he got arrested um, and sort of disappeared for a while. Uh, you know, was, yes. was a, a, putting up major numbers um, early in his career, and then and then disappeared, uh, and then you know didn't do anything really before he came into the NFL. Uh, was hanging out with the Saints as an undrafted free agent. The Browns gave up a seventh round pick last year at the deadline to get him in camp. Then he plays, you know, he barely plays in preseason. If I, if memory serves, uh, he played two snaps all of last year. It just looked like a complete turd of a move and, you know, patience paid off in this case. They, they stuck with him. Um, God, and bless he, the scout. God bless the scout that was on that one. Yeah. And, and, and he, you know, to this point, and, and I, you know, we'll see if that, that holds true. But to this point, he has not just looked like a, a guy who can get chip in a few reps. He looks like a guy who can legitimately uh, give Richardson or Ogunjobi or somebody a break um, and, and put in meaningful reps, which is something this team just did not have last year. It was a huge problem. Um, and now they, if he can do that, this hopefully helps maximize Ogunjobi or, or Richardson or both and just gives them a really, really nasty three-headed monster uh, in the middle along with all those, those edge rushers. But right now, his, his, his quickness off the ball, he's using his hands well. Um, but so much has been a quick first step and almost coming unblocked. And, and one, one of the sacks he had last week was, was because they just had too many rushers coming. But the thing with Deverell Lawrence is when you give him an opportunity, he does not miss. Uh, he has capitalized on every opportunity he's had. 
um, whether it's been actually getting sacks, whether it's been making tackles in the backfield or drawing penalties uh, and forcing team teammate, you know, plays into teammates as he did with the sack Chad Thomas had. Uh, but he has been arguably the best, uh, biggest surprise, best story, what have you, when it comes to this team, because this was uh, one of the biggest questions on the roster and to this point right now it looks entirely answered um and 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 now it doesn't just look like they make they may be able to get by but it looks like a strength now it got a little far when jay crawford was talking about their their nfl teams that you know think would, would, would love this guy to have start for them i don't know if i'd go that far but a very very impressive uh preseason hopefully carries over to the regular season I think the other thing that impressed me the most is the closing speed, um, you know, within, you know, within tackle reach and he gets it, he gets it done. And, you know, this was a guy, uh, you know, I guess we had talked about this was, we knew literally nothing about him, saw nothing from him, but uh, now, you know, whoever was the one, you know, pulling on John in the front offices here, scout wise, whatever, whoever did the report on that. Nice job. That's, that's turned out to be, it looks right for now. Pretty good acquisition. Uh, a quality with a nice day. Willie Harvey with a nice day. Um, defensively, I mean, I'll give those names, Pete, but for the most part, um, what you saw was, you know, there's not much other than, I mean, and let's be honest, the first stringers for the Detroit Lions aren't very good. They're not a very good football team. Um, but, you know, Willie Harvey and, you know, I almost wish he didn't really get hot there late in the game because he makes the perfect, uh, you know, practice squad linebacker. But uh, I think for the rest of it, I, I think we kind of know what it is. I mean, you know, even if Chad Thomas makes it, is he, you know, like a half, you know, D tackle, half defensive end where Gennard Avery, Gennard Avery is a half linebacker, half defensive end, but there wasn't much else to be settled here, but, you know, the Detroit Lions are bad. Uh, the, you know, obviously the Browns ended up winning 20 to 16. You know, this is what they should have done. I mean, you know, even with the Lions with a late touchdown, I mean, that's against what a whole bunch of essentially scab in what is prevent defense, we know what this defense is going to be. And the way they got after it today, especially with the defensive line where it wasn't even the starters, this is just a, a glimpse of what's going to come this year. Well, you know, I think the Lions, you know, and the schedule is what the schedule is. But the Browns were, were more talented than the four teams they played against. Um, they lost the one, but they were more talented than everybody they faced. Uh, it wasn't even, it they wasn't, could have beat Tampa by three touchdowns if they trotted out their good players. That, and, and but I mean, even even with the players they had, they should have, you know, they should have beaten, they should have taken full control of that game. They didn't. Um, but they were clearly better in terms of, you know, the the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster than the Bucks. They were better than the Redskins. They were better than uh, Detroit. They were better than the Colts. Um you know, and obviously the Colts now it's a different deal, but they were better, um, and you know, just in terms of that. So uh, they that is a major difference from last year to this year. Um, they are, are just you you know it's the NFL. You can't just roll your helmets out out there and expect to win. But at the same time, it does create a ton of room for error for them um, that they that they are simply better than, than these other teams. And, and the, you know, like it, just looking at the lines, which is obviously a good barometer of where things could be going for the Browns. Um, the Lions were, I think, particularly bad on both sides of the ball, but the Browns were just, again, just better. And that's, 
really important because, you know, the lifeblood of your team is going to be on those lines and your depth. And they, they had uh, more players than the Lions did, uh, which, you know, that's a big deal. I mean, because the Lions had some really nice skill players. They had some really nice DBs, but they just couldn't keep their quarterback clean and they couldn't really put too much pressure on the Browns. And ultimately that that's, that's going to get you beat eventually, which is what happened. So uh, that, that, that might be the biggest takeaway from this, but yeah, I mean, the lions are, are in a similar position as the Bengals were um, in terms of they are a team that needs so much to go right for them to be good because their, their top end is pretty good. Obviously, you got Matthew Stafford, you got uh, uh, Kenny Galladay, you've got you know the new tight end, you've got Marvin Jones, you've got all these. Hawkinson, really nice- Johnson, yeah. of course. There's there's talent. There's some talent there, yes. But it's unclear if they will be able to protect any of the any anything with Matt Stafford. And on the other side of the ball, they have revamped their defensive line, uh, bringing in uh, Mike Daniels, bringing in uh, uh, what's his face from. Uh, the Patriots, they've, you know, they've got a lot of guys front line wise. Darius Slay is a very good player, but, but when you get just a bit into their depth, it really falls apart like a house of cards. And the Bengals obviously have that, that house of cards has imploded on them. Um, the Lions haven't gotten there yet, but they are a team where they, they could be an injury away from, you know, not just, DFL in, in the NFC North, which is maybe where they're headed anyway, but it could be, you know, the type of season where they're four and 12, five and 11 type thing. So they're, they're in for a world of hurt. And, and I think most Lions fans or media seem to understand that. And, and I think this only sort of put an exclamation point on, on what they sort of have coming for them. And look, uh, you know, Green Bay, uh, you got a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. Chicago, Minnesota, you know, the improvements in Detroit is just, you know, that team. It's it's where it's at, and it's almost getting weird and kind of funny where it's like, uh, you know, almost feel bad now. This is two years in a row. Uh, you know, we walk away from this week four preseason game with the Lions. Like, ah, oh, those poor guys, you know, hopefully a couple of things will go right for them. And, you know, they can right, right the wrongs of Detroit Lions football. Now, this is um, – we're going to put a bow on this here, guys. Um, look, here's the good news. We are officially now in regular season mode. We'll go through a little roster tune-up shake-up over the weekend. Um, I'll get you guys out something tomorrow night. Um, we'll get together a little later Saturday night. We'll go through the cuss, obviously, by the time I get back home and get back to Jersey. Um, Pete, it's uh, – what do you well, – let's figure out the way we're equating the time. Um, we'll know tomorrow night in the streets, Burrow, you and the boys – uh, well, no, uh, first W, first L, but uh, how's everything looking for tomorrow night? And look, you know, everybody football-wise, whether you coach, you play, fandom, whatever, uh, it gets real tomorrow night. Right. I mean, look, you, 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 from the second, you know, the fourth quarter ended last year, you know, you had a, 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 a talented senior class that was looking forward to this year, and they've been working towards it, um, and, and they've sort of brought along – the rest of the team and, and, you know, sort of you know, built the way we want to sort of see this thing going. And tomorrow becomes their first opportunity to sort of uh, cash in on, 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 you know, all that work and, and how good they can be. And the, the talent is there. Uh, it comes down to, 
you know, execution and stuff. So um, we're excited about it. Obviously, we're excited for them. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's the first of 10 and uh, at least 10, hopefully. And we'll see. We'll see how we do. All right, um, and look, guys, uh, obviously, look, uh, you, you got college football tonight. You had college football last week. You got college football Saturday. It's here. We're here. It's Labor Day weekend. Um, for me, I'm still, you know, New Jersey. School doesn't start till late next week. So we get to live a little more of the extra, you know, a little bit more of summer. But it's time here, guys. This is what we've all been waiting for. Um, we're ready to roll. Um, uh, like I said, uh, make sure you're uh, following at Browns Maven on Twitter. BrownsMaven.com, obviously big news for Pete today, where obviously this stuff has gone to fruition on Sports Illustrated. Follow at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, the show itself, at Locked On Browns, all lowercase, follow back account. DMs are always open. Anything you want, anything you want to put in the show, questions you have, hit me up in the DMs over there. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you know, go ahead, throw uh, anything over there. DMs are open. Any questions you have, guys, look, you know, great, a lot of great ideas that come into the show topics come from you guys. We're going to start to migrate into a regular season schedule here as far as what we're doing with the show, which I cannot be more freaking thrilled about. Because look, it's it's live, and we get to see what this 19 product is. You know, we're gonna, you know, if it's a fi- if it's fireworks, we're about to get, about to put the flame to it, and see exactly what happens with it all. Um, until the next time, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>